Okay, welcome to Leading from the Middle. This is your host, Kevin Pratt II, and today we're going to talk about aligning for success, a thought process for winners. We're going to have a good time with us today, so stay tuned. So today's topic, we're going to talk about adversity quotient. Adversity quotient tells you how well you withstand adversity and your ability to surmount it. Put in simple terms, it's a quotient that shows you how well you would do under pressure. And most leaders are built and measured out of adversity quotient. It predicts who you will overcome and who will be crushed. It predicts who will exceed expectations of their performance and potential who will fall short. AQ also predicts who will give up and who prevails. For example, when aligning, for example, what is alignment and why is it so important to you? Most people don't understand that being in line makes a big difference in their career. While some people become misaligned and what happens when they do? Quite simply, they lose track. So our job is to keep them aligned and keep them on track. So what can we do to promote alignment in their careers and as part of our team? So today we're going to talk a little bit about those three topics. We need to build their innovation muscle. So if a boss comes into work and finds the job isn't done well, what does that job or what does a boss normally do? Well, depending on the leader. He could try to inspire, try to motivate, or simply put, try to help them to be a better person. Or will they look beyond what has happened and find the best in the employees? Remember, good enough can be great. Some people just need a little investment and some need a lot. But we must be beware of sucking the core out of an individual, sucking the core out of an individual. Some individuals can lose motivation and some can just bail. See, we don't want people to bail. We want people to stick around. If they're built for this, we need to make sure that they have what it takes to do well. And it's our job as leaders to bring the best out of people. We need to see the person and not the problem. We need to give them a process, a procedure. And once we do that, we can help them extreme or we can help them excel in what they're doing. There are a few success criteria that we look at. Most leaders, most teammates 
need to operate with honesty and integrity. They need to execute efficiently. That means do it right the first time, even if it requires, even if it requires teaching. They need to be taught so they can do it right. We need to strive for optimum M to N value, meaning what they do on a daily basis must matter. They must know what they matter and we must give them the ability to do well in spite of it. Leaders need to develop and nurture the organization. It is our job to make sure that employees stick around. It is not the employee's job to stick around if they're unhappy. Trust starts from the top, so we must make sure that we instill trust, let them know that we're here for them, and give them all the resources required to do the job well. When I first started in sales, I worked in a shoe store, and I remember my boss telling me he can teach any person on the street to sell. You just had to have a few things. You had to have the ability, the desire, and a gift to gab. You had to know how to talk to people, persuade people, but not in terms of trying to get over. You need to learn how to win people over, understand what their hot buttons are, and work to make them happy based on what their needs are. That way, there's a win-win in everybody. We must practice situational leadership. So, in simple terms, we may take a time when there's opportunity for everybody to lead. We need to set up situations in the training facility, in board meetings, and go over what-if scenarios so that at a time when employees are faced with struggles, they can fall back on those learned behaviors. As leaders, we need to communicate effectively. That means not communicating the way that we feel we should communicate. We need to communicate in the way that they understand us so that we're talking in their language and over time they will understand that we really care and over time their language may start to change morph into corporate speak sales speak but still being an individual we never want to take the individuality away from a person if we start doing that then we're going to turn around having a bunch of clones, robots, ineffective leadership, and ineffective employees. And lastly, we must help them if they like what they do. So we can't just force something down their throat if they don't like it. If it's something they're struggling with, we need to help them with the struggle and maybe, just maybe, they may learn to love it and f realize that either they're good for the job or they're no good for the job or the team. In that case, you can shake hands 
departed friends and move on. So over my time, I put together 10 things to consider. The first one is innovation and survival seem like a discrete choices, but they're not. Innovation and survival aren't discrete choices. They're a desire. We have to innovate and we have to, to survive. If we can innovate and survive at the same time, we can create something beautiful. The first step in creation is destruction. You have to tear down something before you can build it up. You have to light fire to the clay in terms to morph it, shape it, and build it up. The conference room wall blocks more than the sun. It blocks creativity. If you stay in meetings all day long, all the time, you can never get any work done. So get out of the conference room. Get outside. Get into the sun. Have fun. The question of, is this product a good product? The answer could be easy. It could be yes. And the answer shouldn't come from senior leadership. It should come from your frontline employees. They're the one closer to the customers than you are. The worst assumption is that you can make is that you're right all the time. Employees know when you think you're right, that's going to stop them from bringing ideas to you and feeling like they need to have a voice. If you're always right, you're going to find your meetings, your team, very quiet, no enthusiasm because you know it all and nobody likes to know it all. You can have all the spreadsheets and reports if you want, but they're just assumptions. They're not answers. They're just numbers on a the paper. They have no feeling. We have to get back to feeling. Stop chasing revenue. Chase passion, and the revenue will follow. Scarcity is the entrepreneur's advantage. Most entrepreneurs figure out how to do a lot with a little. That's a bonus. Most companies have too much. Here's another thing that you may like. And it's number eight. 100% of five trumps 5% of a thousand. Think about that. If you're giving 100% to five things, you're awesome. If you have a thousand things to do and you've given your employees a thousand things to do and they're only doing five percent of those thousand what do you think is going to happen <laughs> you're not going to be very effective number nine where you spend your time is a reflection of your priorities so if there's things you rather do than work or if there's projects you rather work on than a major project project that's where you're going to spend your majority of time. Nobody wants to spend time 
on priorities that don't matter. Here's another thing. This is 10 and probably the most important one. Adaptive advocates are abundant, meaning everybody has something to say about why it won't work or what's wrong with it or why we can't do it. But problem solvers, they're scarce. They look at something, just one thing, and realize why it's not effective. And they work their hardest to make those things perfect. Allow them to do that. Allow problem solvers to be as scarce as your high performers. So, in AQ or adversity quotient, they break down three individuals into three categories. They break them down into climbers. They break them down as people that have energy for days. The bunnies of the mountains, if you will. Climbers often have strong faith in something bigger than themselves. It doesn't mean that you're religious or that you believe in a higher power, but you believe in something bigger than yourself, that whatever you're working on matters more than you. Climbers have faith that somehow things can and will be done despite negativity of others or have determined that a certain rope is impossible. They're the can-do people. Those are the people you want. Give me a bunch of climbers any day and I'll turn any business, any organization, any team into a high-performing masterpiece. So, remember, we all have to evaluate ourselves and we all have to use our adversity quotient. This is Kevin Pratt, a Pratt Leadership Consultant, and we focus on people, purpose, and leadership. Thank you.